Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me today on the Word Podcast. Uh, We're drawing close to the end of the Gospel of Mark. We're in the 16th chapter, and if you remember in the previous episode, we ended with verse 14, where it said this, that afterward Jesus appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining. They're reclining at a table, okay? The other gospels show us that they were actually hiding behind locked doors. And Jesus reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. Now, have you thought about that some? <laughs> Just take a moment to think about that. Jesus reproaches them. Okay, and that's, that's a word that we don't use too often, okay? It literally means, uh, it's sort of an intense kind of thing, that he denounces them. It's translated a couple times in Scripture as insult. One time it's translated as reviled. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's pretty strong, isn't it? So he chewed them out. And what did he chew them out for? He got on to them because of their unbelief and because of the hardness of their heart in relationship to belief, to believing what they had been told, believing what the two that had gone to the Emmaus, to Emmaus had um, seen, what they had encountered, to believe the report that the women brought back that they had seen Jesus alive. They refused to believe. Why do they refuse to believe? Because of the hardness of their heart. So he reproached them. He corrected them. And then the very next verse, he says this. And Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. (laughs) Just think about that. Here they are, boy, I mean, how, how do you think they were feeling when Jesus was saying to this thing, these things to him and reproaching them? What must they have been thinking and believing and feeling, et cetera, et cetera? And then the next thing, he picks up and says, now, go. Go. Go into the world and do what? And preach the gospel to all creation. All four Gospels have some form of what we call a great commission. Normally, we quote the Matthew 28 one, okay? Go you therefore in all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them, etc., etc. Jesus says here a very directed commandment. Go. Where? Into all the world. Do what? Preach. Preach what? Preach the gospel, the good news. Well, who are they to preach it to? To all creation. To all creation. So does that mean to every creature, every great and small? Well, the word literally means every created thing, every institution. It's translated one time, but it's basically creation. Every creature to proclaim the good news to all creation. We usually just think of the proclamation being declared to uh, mankind human beings, and we are to preach the gospel to human beings. But is there something here about preaching the gospel, declaring the good news to all creation? 
We know in other portions of the scripture that the Lord's given us power and authority over creation. He's given us power and authority. Jesus himself spoke of a couple of examples over the weather and things like that. And he says, go and preach. And what does that preach mean? Is that you, euangelion? Oh, it's caruso. <laughs> to be the herald, to proclaim. Okay, to proclaim this good news to all creation. And so I think it probably goes beyond what we normally associate with, just being with human beings, <clears throat> that we are to proclaim the good news of the gospel message. There's been uh, many examples um, of what became later on in life very famous preachers, okay, very famous preachers. They actually started preaching when they were very, very young, okay? Uh, let's say 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. They felt like they were supposed to do that. And they would go out and practice on farm animals and practice on the animals in the woods and go out and practice preaching to creation before any man was around. You know, we hear these stories, and, and I've heard them from the, uh, the actual people themselves. It's clear that's, that's what they did. And we sort of chuckle and think, well, that's cute. Isn't that cute? You know, when you read a verse like here, it goes beyond being cute. I think there's power and authority being released by the Most High God in those type of situations. <clears throat> and yes, they're preparatory. Yes, there are things that bring forth training, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> but what was declared during those times when you're sitting there preaching to the cows and to the chickens and to the pigs? Imagine there's blessing. Imagine there's protection. Imagine there's prosperity. There's all sorts of things that come about when we preach forth the word. So Jesus continues. He says in verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Then verse 16, he says, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. That's the verse that gives us some insight into something. What is required to be saved? One must believe. And it must be believed not just of a, 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 an academic mental type of ascent, not a demonic belief because the demons themselves believe, but it must be a type of uh, belief of faith, uh, of believing loyalty, as Michael Heiser says, believing that, and you are loyal to the Most High God. Here Mark says you must believe and be baptized. It doesn't mean, and I know this when you compare all the scripture related to baptism, it doesn't mean that baptism is required that you have to be baptized to be saved. Now, our Church of Christ brethren, a lot of them, not all of them, less and less nowadays, but a lot of them believe that you must be, if you're not baptized, that you're not truly saved. And so you ask the, you know, just the question, well, if you're saved in your home, and they literally will do this. They will call the pastor and say, hey, so-and-so just got saved. We're coming to the church to be baptized. And they go down at that moment to do it. Well, what if you have an accident and die on the way there before you're baptized? They'll tell you you're not saved. That is not at all what the Scripture says. Okay? Not at all. But it does say, he who has believed and has been baptized. The one who believes has a role at a part to be baptized. It cannot be one who has believed after he was baptized at somebody else, uh, somebody else's initiative, okay? This isn't the thing uh, to where you come along and say, well, I was baptized when I was six months old because my mom and dad wanted me to be, so, I am, so I'm baptized. No, no. 
It's he who has believed and has been baptized. You are baptized after you believe. You can't be baptized before you believe. And you say, well, what if you haven't done that before? Well, be baptized. <laughs> Can you be saved and not be baptized? Yes. But I tell you what, we pervert it. We pervert it. This whole thing, I've seen it of late. This remember your baptism. You know, somebody comes up and they now proclaim that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they were baptized when they're six months old. Then the denomination will come back and say, well, we don't believe you can be baptized twice because you were baptized but when you were six months old and you received the grace of God, even though you didn't understand it and you didn't even know it. But now, guess what? We'll do it again, and we won't call it the second time, but we'll call it remembering so you can remember your baptism. Well, to start with, they're going to have no memory of it if you're thinking of remembering in that way, you know. And they're just going to be saying, okay, I'm still rested upon what somebody did for me a long time ago that I don't even remember anything about and I don't know about. Well, then they'll come back and say, well, it's a lot like in the Old Testament where circumcision. People were circumcised, and they were considered to be part of the body. To which I would say to you, and the body being the nation of Israel, well, how would that work out for them? Because the Scripture says that most of them died in the desert as unbelievers. So that whole thing is a perversion of true baptism. And I think we need to adhere to what the Scripture says. What does it say right here? He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. If you don't believe, guess what? You're going to be condemned. Well, my time is up. We'll pick this up in the next episode, okay? Again, I'm Dale. Thank you. Bye-bye.